Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Treehouse, episode 36, Zesto, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Yes, indeed. Uh, good morning to everybody. Uh, good morning to Louise on the other side of town. Here we go again with another three hours of fun for old and young, without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And uh, I don't want to uh, break lockstep here. I don't want to break precedent. I don't want to let daylight in upon magic peps. Mm-hmm. making me let daylight in upon magic peps. Uh, uh, but uh, I'll explain again. Uh, why the show's called Zesto. It's much more fun when you don't. There's always a reason. And I know there's a certain uh, huge burgeoning online communities now trying to crack the code of these. Uh, but as you know, I prepare them months in advance, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, Zesto uh, is one of the great lost soft drinks of Britain. Oh, I thought it was going to be a cleaning product. No, you'd think so. Perhaps that's why they didn't market it. Um, but Zesto uh, was uh, made by R. Whites, who, of course, famously lemonade, and, and their cream soda, which was, the, all civilised people agree, it was the cream soda. But for a very short period in the 1960s, and I mean only six months, they had a drink called Zesto, which was like a sort of a, a sort of a Coca-Cola, Dr. Peppery, cherry oh, 80 Oh, thing. I was, Ooh, was plen- plen- sort of plen- an orangey, pineapple No, no. Oh, it, this it, is uh, where it's all gone wrong. They sounded like a cleaning fluid and it wasn't the fruit you were expecting. It, it was marketed only, I believe, in the, in the southeast. I'm willing to be corrected on that. And they tested it and then people turned around and pronounced it to taste like fish four days old or something. But <laughs> I, I loved it. I remember being at a family wedding. And there's something I haven't been to for months or years and decades, a family wedding. Come on, kids. Anyway, um, uh, and I remember going back up to the bar and just getting glass after glass of Zesto until the woman behind the bar said, oh, you'll drink this. Try this. You love this, don't you? Did, I, I was so what was it its flavour again? Oh, I, I it, it was a cherry aid kind of Coca-Cola-y sort of um, Dr. Pepper-y thing. Dandelion. Zesto. That sort of. Yeah, it was, and, and, and it was like um, in a film. It's such a generic. Zesto, you know, it's like saying that Norman Wisdom would get mixed up in the, the making of. But uh, it, was, it was Zesto, and that's why today's show uh, was pulled out of the air. Just before we came on the air, it popped into my head. So, very good morning to you, everybody. Uh, this is, what show is it? Show 30... 36. It still doesn't seem very much. That doesn't seem like, uh, you know, if we all do go tomorrow, that we left much of a legacy on the old treehouse. But, as ever, it's all here. It's all in the written note before we came on the air, Peps. Well, that's because uh, you do your homework. You're very efficient. It, it was very good to think sitting on Wikipedia for 35 minutes constitutes homework. Uh, but, it, it, but that is, I, I refuse to accept their word and often go down rabbit holes, which I hope uh, gets us on the on the air every week. And today, uh, Christopher Columbus signed his contract to go to America. Um, uh, he had a I contract? Oh, yes, he, he had a contract. Oh, his agent was in months of negotiations. It, it was all about, you know, because I think I think Australia wanted him as well. But in the end, Columbus signed a contract. Have a look to go off to the Americas. Let's put it that way. So that, but that was today. He came to Britain as a young man. 
And yet he didn't discover hey. us, did he? He didn't say, oh, well, I've discovered Britain, did he? He goes to America, gets off the boat, sees a few bison and the Native Americans, ah, I've discovered here. <laughs> Were we too civilised for him, in inverted commas? Very I, I, I have no idea. We intimidated him, I suppose, or he might took one. We probably had churches, and I think that's what they took to mean you were civilised in those I, days, I, I, I think he took they one look church around. church there, all right. He, he took one look around the old dump and said, no, I think I'll hang on to the States here. I'll wait till the States come in for me. And uh, sure enough, he signed the contract. Because, and he, again, this is because I do get up and I read these things. And some things, as you know, make me suck a thoughtful tooth and mm-hmm. look off in a reverie. And it said, of course, he was contracted to find another route for the spice trade, which was the biggest thing in the world. So you think, if you've not heard the show before, it gets going any second now. It's a very much a dialogue between the audience and us. Uh, so I thought the spice trade, spice trade, the biggest thing in the world then. And it was cinnamon, pepper, ginger, cardamom and turmeric. <laughs> that ruled the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you, you say, yeah, but I know that they weren't like you could walk down and just buy a packet of it, and them's were the days, but the cinnamon and pepper and ginger, that was that was what everyone wanted. They couldn't get enough of it, and they had to get it back here quick. So you've got your spice trade, uh, and, and uh, the, 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 there was always you guarded your spice route. They, they, they would always make out they, they didn't know what the sources of them, or they were never revealed the sources of them. Oh. And, and it says on Wikipedia, Peps, fantastic tales were told of where these spices came from. Ooh. About that? But it doesn't list any of the fantastic tales. All we know is they came from the kingdom of Axum in league with the kingdom of Kush. <gasps> Axum and Kush! Axum and Kush! What an act they were. I was going to say Led oh. Zeppelin album, isn't it? I saw them at the Palladium. No, they were jugglers. Axum <laughs> and Kush. Oh, <laughs> Wilson, Keppel and Betty get all the heat. But they were... No, Axum and Kush is basically uh, uh, those empires around Ethiopia and Eritrea. Uh, and they're supposed to be the last resting place of the Ark of the Covenant, the Kingdom of Axum. Oh, I know. See, here it is. Now we're talking. Exactly, exactly. I'm glad these are slow builds, uh, even if the audience aren't. You start looking at Christopher Columbus, uh, then you're into the Kingdom of Axum, and before you know it, it's the Ark of the Covenant. How anyone can be bored during these lockdowns, I don't know. So Christopher Columbus, right? Mm. Um, he it was self-taught, but they've still got his library peps, some of, a lot of his books, including uh, The Voyage of Marco Polo was his favourite. And Christopher Columbus, if you look uh, at his library books, or his books in his library, uh, <laughs> they're well overdue, aren't they? Christopher Columbus library books. Loved your journey, mate. He used to sidle up to the counter at the library and go, don't suppose Lolita's out in, is it? Uh, no, no, it's all right, I'm on the list. Gadum, gadum. Uh. <laughs> anyway, the, the, book, the books from Christopher Columbus's library, he used to write in the margins. I hate people oh. who write in the margins. You did it, did you? I bet he folded over corners as well. I don't. I, I can live with that, to be absolutely honest. Oh, no, uh, my dad, that was drummed into us. I See, I was never a student, so I never felt the need to... To write in, you know, get any book and write, yes, oh. this is very true in the margin. No, uh, do you know what we did? We were allowed to write in our books. Was it my GCSE English or A-level English? Mm-hmm. So we all, in tiny, tiny pencil, just wrote out whole essay answers in the margin. Did you? In the off chance that that question came up in the exam. 
<laughs> it was right there in front of us. Yeah, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how I got an A star. <laughs> that's on a par with my brief belief that if you slept on top of the, the textbook under your pillow, the answers would seep up into your head in the middle of the night. <laughs> I live school at 14 years old, by the way. Uh, so we'll finish with Columbus and then we'll get on with the uh, high kicking show. And remember, our guests this week are the wonderful act of, uh, uh, of Akos, Aksum and Kush. Anyway, so uh, uh, he, he went on a few voyages after he mm. signed the contract, got a kick out of it. He went on plenty of tours, not tours. You know, he went off around. Coming soon! <laughs> Columbus and dates, they've all been put back to next year anyway now. So Columbus, um, he went off and he found various places, including the Virgin Islands, which he named, right? But the Vir- one thing we know about the Virgin Islands, they're not called the Virgin Islands. Of course, indigenous what? people would have had names, but what Columbus named them was, and this is their proper name, the islands of St. Ursula and the 11,000 virgins. Ooh, That's the name of the virgin hello. Island. Was that, that what he that? hoped he would find upon arrival? It, 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 whatever the, the background his mania was, that's, that's, that's what it, they're, they're called. The islands of St. Ursula and the 11,000 virgins. That's the name of those islands. Uh, coming to the end now. Imagine uh, the so- men on his ship. Where are we going next? Well, let me tell you, boys. <laughs> Good news! I, I bet when they got back on the ship, they said, well, I'm going to think of a few things wrong with that name, Chris. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, this, we never, we're not trying to, we're not, we're not trying to be off colour here. No. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, he's buried in the Seville, uh, in the cathedral tombs in Seville, right? Well, mm. they thought he was. But then in 1877, over in the Dominican Republic, they found a lead coffin with, on the top of it, the inscription, Here lies Don Christopher Columbus. And they dug it up. No, 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 there was bones in there. And here, mysterious music, please. There were bones in there. And a bullet. There was a bullet amongst the bones. And there was every reason to suspect this was him. They've been going backwards and forwards. Anyway, the point is, even to this day, uh, there are two tombs for Christopher Columbus. Uh, one in Seville, one in the Dominican Republic. There is still debate and confusion. And uh, there are two. It's, it's like... Um, I've seen a Nicolas Cage film about this. I, it, 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 to this day, there's two of them. It's like those touring versions of, uh, you know, the, the Beach Boys or, or, or Sham 69. There are two of them. There's Seville's Christopher Columbus and the Dominican public wrote Christopher Columbus. And and so there we have uh, just a simple thing of looking, oh, Christopher Columbus signed his contract today, and off you go via Harrison Ford and, and <laughs> Jimmy Percy of Sham 69, we arrive. Uh, what are we doing this morning, Peps? Uh, right, our topics... We- which we should remind everyone will change after today's show. Yeah, right at the end now, of the show. I don't know if you tune out when I say uh, chiefly yourselves, but Peps roars back in and gives you a heads up on what we need next week. Uh, so for now, your neighbours apparently only had one record. How dolls and toys have met tragic ends, <laughs> badly organised parties and events, and the world's most houseproud person. And that's the smorgasbord as lays before us uh, right now. So what have, what have you got for us, Peps? Give us the first one. Absolutely nothing to do with those topics is my first <laughs> Our audience, bang! There you go. <laughs> this is, but it, it's staying with historical matters. This is Drew in Bradford. Mm-hmm. Hoy hoy! You mentioned that Bernard Manning, whilst doing national service, guarded Rudolf Hess and Albert Speer at Spandau Prison after the end of World I, War. I, I merely relayed information given to us by an August member of the Treehouse, an honorary sap, and uh, and I said I didn't know that, but he's. I looked it up, and it, it was. I couldn't find anything about it. So what are you going to tell? He says, I think Leonard Pierce, who was granddad on Only Fools and Horses, can go one better. 
As a young actor in the 30s, he toured Germany with a theatrical company and went on a performance tour. One performance was attended by senior members of the Nazi party and at the end of the show, they came backstage to congratulate the cast and Leonard Pierce shook hands with Adolf Hitler. Now, I, 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 there's no reason... There's no reason so it's on to, the wiki, um, but can we... Actually, let me put this another way. There's plenty of reasons to doubt that. It was a concert <laughs> party, yeah? Uh, he was an actor in, on a performance tour, a theatrical performance mm. in Germany see, in the 30s. Uh, 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 the wretched Hitler had to be dragged kicking and screaming along to see his beloved Wagner. The idea that, uh, uh, that Goebbels walked in and said, uh, doing anything tonight? Not a lot, why? It's a concert party in town. They're doing... Uh, uh, a load of English people, <laughs> by the way. A lot of, Eng- are a lot doing... of English people are, are in town, you know. They're doing a mother goose. Want to go? All right, then. I've got to meet them afterwards, yeah. It, it sounds like something Grandad would say in Only Fools and Horses. But I'm, I'm willing, if somebody's got the actual proof, uh, uh, to, to, to go along with that. While we're talking about things being uh, uh, and not our menu and things being confirmed or otherwise, mm. uh, we had correspondence here from uh, Richard Richardson, the double, the double name Richard Richardson. He said, a few podcasts ago, you mentioned someone uh, uh, in, had a message from someone about meeting Oliver Reed in Malta and possibly killing him. Ah, yes. Uh, I can confirm this would have been correct. I was also staying at the Vernitia Hotel in Malta at the time uh, and was in reception collecting my keys when I heard loud noises come from the bar. I walked in and Oliver Reed was in there with his trousers round his ankles, very drunk, with a few other guys having a great time. The following day, I heard he had died. So oh. your story is confirmed because one of the people he was drinking with got in touch with us. Now, we don't just do celebrities who have met notorious people if, if, if the great Oliver Reed would forgive me bracket him with the uh, National <laughs> Socialists but uh, uh, that kind of thing is good when, it, when it's backed up so if anyone has photos of Leonard Pierce uh, shaking hands with Goering uh, after giving his mother goose we would love to hear from you. What else perhaps? Uh, this is what what have you slept through mm-hmm. we should reiterate that we are we are not taking any more entrance into the 1987 storm slash hurricane that's a, that's a given that's a given and and anyone who's uh, you know been through uh, death leopard concerts we know people do that that is what they're mainly there for so uh, old drunk hippies can get their rest so this is from Stuart for many years I attended Horsham Unitarian Chapel and became very good friends with a dear preacher called the Reverend Richard now I'm going to say Burke, so it's B-O-E-K-E, Burke. Could be Bork. Anyway, it doesn't, yeah. He's very old now and has moved back to his homeland, the USA. Richard has told the story before of how he and a friend, as students in 1963, acted on a whim and decided to drive all night from Georgia to Washington to be at the Washington March for Jobs and Freedom. Hmm. He was absolutely exhausted once they arrived, and once he'd had his fill of the average speakers and inaudible folk singers, he nodded off on the grassy banks of the Lincoln Memorial. Yes, that's right. My good friend, the Reverend Richard Bork, slept through Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Oh, wow. That's gone right to the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> he would often go... <laughs> this is like Monty Python's Sermon on the Mount sketch. He slept through it. Speak up! <laughs> up until a few years ago, Richard would come to classroom and talk to primary school children about civil rights movement and his day out in Washington, but never let once let on to the children that he had slept his way through the most remarkable speech 
in history. Which of course leads us all to say, and did you have a dream? Because <laughs> <laughs> if it had come round, that's oh, I had a dream. Oh, shut up, he's just done that, gay. Anyway, but uh, uh, thank you. Very well. But see, this is the meat. If you've never heard before, uh, having this kind of freeform, let's say, movable feast of subjects <laughs> leads us on to terrific stuff like that. And before we really get down this week's show uh, mm -hmm. people are now getting in touch just to tell us what's been happening to them recently which is oh fine alan is in touch thank you very much indeed alan he says last thursday which would have been last thursday doesn't matter now because you may be listening to this in 2030 but it doesn't matter but you trust us last thursday it begins last thursday i was walking my dog when i noticed in the distance a dead cat oh. on closer inspection i realized with horror that it was our cat it oh. was bruno I contacted my partner, who is currently locked down in Poland with her daughter, Julia. It is Julia's cat, and the thought of telling her was absolutely horrible. Anyway, I called my partner to break the confirmation, and she in turn broke the news to Julia, who was in tears, obviously. I went back with a plastic bag and gloves and collected poor old Bruno. He was so stiff, you could have played cricket with him. Oh. Now, that's, he's broken the mood there. That's broken the mood. But anyway, he was so stiff, you could have played cricket with him. I then dug a hole in the garden, said some quiet words, and laid him to rest. I called my partner back, and she was fighting through the tears and asked me, when did this happen? When did I find him? I said, at about seven o'clock on my walk with a the dog. There was a pause. Seven? Half eight, I looked at our security cameras and he was on the front garden. He was <gasps> licking his private parts. I said, what? Half eight. I took a screenshot. It's Bruno. Half eight. You said seven? Listeners, basically, I had buried someone else's cat. <laughs> Last night, I buried someone else's cat. My partner had to break the news to Julia that a cat was not a cricket bat after all. I'll be honest, visions of Pet Cemetery and the resurrection have not been far from my thoughts this weekend, and for all cat lovers out there, I did inform the local USPCA from Alan, the cat corpse collector. Now, there's not a lot in that, but as we are a community, oh. we may as well share. I've got to tell you, it's a terrific, terrific contact, and thank you, Alan. But it seems that most people at some time or another have brought either replacement pets or something mm. else pets or brought home the school hamster and got... Things oh, happen. my sister-in-law um, did a uh, uh, funeral for uh, a guinea pig that, that, that was then alive. Or did was he? it a hamster? One of those. Oh, was it a hamster? You know, they hibernate. Well, they do. She thought it was dead and they all did the funeral and then snuffle, snuffle, snuffle from the box that, as that, it you, was about to head. Uh, all, oh, always, uh, a small rodent, you should always apply a hairdryer if you think they've... Oh. Uh, you do, you put, if you think they've passed on a hairdryer. Well, we... Like most people in the 1960s had a budgerigar, and like most budgerigars, it was called Joey. Um, and Joey, uh, uh, very very old. Was Joey. Of course, they're Joey. They're always twinkle. Joey. And 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 all oh, right. Perhaps while we're here, what um, accoutrements did the cage have? There are certain accoutrements that a budgerigar. Oh, Twinkle. Cage... Twinkle had a swing. Swing. He had a mirror. Mira, that's the big one. And he had, uh, which had a little bell under it, and he had yeah. a miniature little budgie. Yeah. <laughs> we called Bert, oh. and he, we managed to train him to go, Bert Badge, Bert Badge. Did you? And he, sp he spoke to his little I don't, friend, Bert I Badge, don't, Bert Badge. Pretty I don't think, the I don't think Peps, there's enough, enough uh, research and wonder given to the fact that birds talk. I, do, I, I mean, I've got Wilbur a budgie, you know. 
You should They're be a great pet. They are great. You have to cover them at night or they drive your party with yes. the, uh, with a chirping. Uh, but you... My mum's still now. He died about 20 years ago. My mum's still now. If they come home from a night out and my dad puts the kitchen light on, my mum goes, oh, Twinkle! <laughs> <laughs> because they wouldn't have covered him up before they went out. Mummy's been dead 20 years. Well, do you know, do you know about Sparky, of course? And Sparky's become quite famous. But I think we resurrected him, puns intended, on the uh, uh, old uh, BBC London afternoon show when uh, I found a flexi disc in Greenwich Market of Sparky, the champion talking budgerigar. Still got it. Yeah. Uh, it was in the background of one of my good evening photos the other night. And Sparky would win all the championships because in an era before, you know, big money entered all these things, there used to be uh, the budgerigar talking championships. There's an hour for me and you're talking to the host of Pets Win Prizes here. And Sparky could... Uh, say and well, not recite. It's perfectly audibly. Mary had a little lamb. The whole thing. Oh, I've got a recording of it. But Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow, etc., etc., etc. Now there's not enough research done into this. What else? If we weren't teaching a Mary had a little lamb, would they tell us? But the point being, so you have your, you have your, you have your mirror. You've got your little bell, mm-hmm. and they had a ladder. They usually have a ladder to go oh, up. Oh yes, down. he did have a ladder. Yes, and they have a ladder, right. and they, they sit on their swing per- and a ladder. Seeing a budgerigar look at itself in those little round mirrors. For me, that's it. They, they, the television can, that, that's never going to match that. And they look with that big old eye that rolls around from the other side of the head. <laughs> and as far as they know, it's not a mirror, it's a window. And they wonder how they can make that uh, make that uh, jump from it. But uh, anyway, so we had a budgerigar. Let's get straight back to the emails. <laughs> and, and Joey got very old. And unlike um, human beings, or let me put that another way, Unlike me, they don't go bald on the top of their heads. They go bald on their chest. His chest was very, very oh, bald. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very mm. bald. Um, and his feathers started falling out his chest. And he was old. And then one morning we came downstairs and the inevitable, he was lying there on the bottom. Uh, he was about, I don't know how old he was. He was, he was, he was old enough. It was an old man saying, well, it's going to happen, wouldn't it? I mean, look at him. He ain't got a feather left on him. Uh, so... Uh, but we took him, and my sister said, try giving him some brandy. We talked about brandy, so we give him a little... And they got a pipette. They got the pipette, and it was in the top of um, uh, some nose uh, drops. And they washed it out, and they took a little tiny... Not too much of that, thanks, as my old man said as they went, went for his brandy. Put a little tiny drop, and they dropped it. And if you look at a budge's nose, it's got two holes mm. either side of its um, sort of filled from thing. And they dropped a little bit of uh, brandy on it. Army you are, gone. No, no. And we gave it a moment, and then there was the sound of a distant heavenly choir, um, and Joey's one, one eye on this side opened up, and then the other eye, and he lived on for another six months. <gasps> on that one drop of brandy. You should have done that for Twinkle, I feel terrible. I should have done it to me old man the more I think about it. <laughs> the night he went. <laughs> I was with him. I should have got brandy. You might have been sitting in on oh, this now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine the old man. Well, it wouldn't have come round if I'd got him. If I have a drop one in with what you're getting one. Uh, but anyway, so there's plenty there uh, about uh, Alan the Cat Corpse Collector. Something from over there, perhaps. Well, I, while we're talking of corpses, I'll do this quick one and then we'll go to an ad break. But this is from Matt. Uh, we were talking about what things your dogs have found. Mm-hmm. It says, my pet Poppy is a retired police dog. 
Not a usual biting ne'er do wells one, but for locating dead bodies and blood at oh crime Oh my scene. lord, we're, we're, we're taking a dark turn. This is what happens when you leave, when you leave Phil Wilding in charge of the emails. <laughs> very, very rarely do you get the cemetery mud off your boots. We do well, uh, uh, to balance this. I've got a beautiful one about Norman Wisdom in a minute. Continue, perhaps. Even though I retired with her as her handler, I still hope she doesn't forget she's retired and goes looking once again. On the other hand, her crewmate Daisy, who also retired, was a drug dog, and the other day. Wow. Whilst we were going for a walk, found a bag of cannabis. No, I'm just relieved it wasn't Poppy. You're joking. There's a little picture of Poppy I can no, show you. There. I didn't Look know. at lovely Poppy with her tongue hanging out. I didn't know that police dogs could be rehoused. I told you, I think I did it about three shows ago. If you're a, a, a former explosive sniffing dog, you've got the best chat up line should you meet a, a nice bitch in the park, which is, hey, baby, I'm trained to sniff out explosives and you are dynamite. You're never going to get turned down by another dog like that. Oh, yeah, right. We're, we're going to start the show on the other side of the adverts. How about that properly? We'll get going on that and I'll start it with a wonderful wonderful email we've received about none other than Norman Wisdom also from something else Mel Gedroich is quilting listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories all whilst having some good wholesome fun in a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him by... Uh, uh, this is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out when he discovers Amazing. that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow, and which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. OK. <laughs> Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Welcome back, everybody, uh, and we've got the uh, vinyl golden shot coming up. Oh, we're, we're hanging in there with this, hanging in there with We've got Sam doing it with us today. But yesterday, by the way, Peps, and you'll appreciate this because uh, I know, of course, you were raised in the, uh, not the shadow, but in the glory of the Bishop of Rome, if I might put it that way. Uh, <laughs> and yesterday was Dusty Springfield's birthday. Oh, my mum's favourite. Well, Dusty Springfield's full real name. You want to play Catholic poker? You want to know what Dusty Springfield's Ooh, full real name was? Mary Isabel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien. Oh, come <laughs> along. <laughs> that was Dusty Springfield's real name. <laughs> Give it to me again. It was Mary Isabel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien. <laughs> I don't think I don't think she paid court to the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, did she? she was, Wowzers! That is the That's most, most Irish name if I've ever heard, let alone Catherine. That That's absolutely Mary Isabel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien. How surprising she went by Dusty. 
Dusty Springfield, yeah, Dusty Springfield, uh, part of the Springfields, of course. Now, uh, we are in a second going to go straight, straight to the uh, uh, vinyl sausage sandwich, not vinyl sausage sandwich, man, no, but <laughs> not the vinyl sausage sandwich, don't talk to me about vinyl sausages. Uh, we're going straight to the um, uh, the golden shot thing. So, but uh, one thing I must say before the uh, anniversary passes, uh, today, uh, as we talk now, April the 18th, uh, Snooker was invented by Sir Neville Chamberlain. Now, it wasn't that Sir Neville Chamberlain. Not oh, the Neville oh, Chamberlain oh, who went oh, over there and uh, went to see a production so of Charlie's... a bit late Aunt. for him to have done went, it. Went, went to see Charlie's aunt with Hitler and then shook hands with the cast afterwards. Uh, not that Neville Chamberlain, but it, was, it might have been his father, actually. He invented snooker. Uh, and uh, it was backed up by a letter to the Times by Compton McKenzie, who was his friend, who, of course, wrote Whiskey, uh, Whiskey Galore. Ah. Um, yeah, which is why the Whiskey A Go-Go nightclub, it was such a hit, it ran for two years in France to film Whiskey Galore. And uh, in honour of it, a club over the road opened and they called themselves the French for Whiskey Galore, which is whis- Whiskey A Go-Go. Oh. And, that, that's, and that's why the discotheques were named. Hmm. Um, anyway, he, he wrote those and he said, yes, he actually did. It was in a billiards in Jalpur in India and he invented the game snooker. And it was done today, uh, by the way. And snooker is called snooker because snooker is, was a derogatory term for first-year cadets at the Woolwich Arsenal. You were called a little snooker. And when they were first playing the game and they didn't have a proper name for it, he played a bad shot. I know this sounds apocryphal, but it's true. He played a bad shot and somebody said, uh, so you played that like a regular snooker. And he took offence and said, when he was explaining to him what a snooker was, a first-year cadet, because he was a major at the time. And the fellow replied, we're all snookers at this game. And snooker, oh, beautiful. And, and, that, and that, and four related parts, I thought I had to bring in it. By the way, if you've not checked out Steve Davis's group, Utopia Strong, Oh, they're good. Like a shredded tangerine dream. Utopia is strong, everyone. Uh, so, Pep, so something quick from you, and then we'll go straight into our vinyl game. Oh, I don't know if I can class this one as quick, but, man, it's good. Go on. I think, uh, I think, I think we'll have to do it. Let's bring Sam in so he doesn't okay. have to sit out there whistling in the corridor. Sam? Sam. Hello, Dan. Hello. Hey, how are you doing, Sam? Sam, Pep's just going to read an email, but feel free to comment on it because uh, we're now a three-hander here. Okay. Uh, Have you you ever seen the film or play Charlie's Aunt? I have not, no. Uh, Hitler's favourite. So, uh, uh, honestly, believe me, you you couldn't say Brazil to Hitler without him saying, where are the nuts come from? That joke only makes sense to anyone who's seen Charlie's aunt, Sam. Uh, So, Peps, give us us something. I found a quicker one. So, this is from Han in Canterbury. Why was a pop star in your front room? When I was 15, my friends and I tried to upstage each other by finding very, very bad cover versions. And I thought I'd won the lottery when I found a knackered seven-inch by Claude Francois performing Moi, j'ai joué et puis j'ai perdu, a cover of I Fought the Law. From the, is that from the mid-60s? Yeah. That makes sense. Yes, it would. Yeah, Bobby Fuller 4. Yeah, about 90. Excitedly, I popped it on the stereo and was, I'll admit, thrilling to the thought of beating all my friends hands down at our contest. But pride comes before a fall. And at this moment, the front door opened. My dad came in with an American gentleman who stood thoughtfully for a moment or two before saying, I wrote this song. Nonsense. At which my dad introduced Sonny Curtis to his teenage goth daughter and her terrible taste in music. Now, if I saw that in a biopic, I'd say too strong. I know! Well, I'm hearing it as an email, I'm saying too strong. Sonny Curtis himself walked in while she was playing a terrible cover version of perhaps his most famous song. (laughs) 
Well, if we were on the radio now, Sam, you, A, you'd have been on the air by now because uh, <laughs> we had the news to hit. And B, I'd now say, and here comes this week's terrible cover version because I've got mountains of them, uh, some of them <laughs> by mountain. Uh, Sam, welcome aboard, Sam. Um, uh, you're going to be playing the Vinyl Golden Shot, the, the game that's rocketed this podcast to the top of the international charts. Uh, Sam, where are you, by the way? I'm uh, Oxford. Okay, Sam in Oxford is going to be playing. And Sam, what happens here is I'm, I record this in uh, my record room, for it is not too grand a term. I'm surrounded by about 11,000 albums, uh, sitting in front of about 6,000 singles. You can't see, but I'm going to point my finger at them and you direct me. Left, right, up, down. Then you say fire and uh, whatever LPs you choose. At the end of it, will add up their value. And at the moment, uh, Anne is still out in front. She chose 330 pounds, only in three shots, 330 pounds worth of vinyl by current market prices, including Genesis's Trespass. We've got a sound effect on this now, Peps. Peps, the sound effect we, we use on this uh, came, yes. came by coincidence from you, didn't it? Well, when we recorded the podcast on Tuesday, uh, I came downstairs to find that my husband had found the best way of keeping my four-year-old Wilbur entertained was to teach him to throw darts at balloons. How about this? And Sam? that's what they were doing in the kitchen, was throwing darts and popping balloons. He bowled and... a balloon and said, here's a dart, son. Now try and get it from six feet away. <laughs> They've upgraded it, by the way. He now puts a ping pong ball in the balloon that they try to get to fall into a cup of water under the... It's a, it's a, it's a it's, whole it, new level. You, you, you would like the, you know, the, the kid to grow up and be you know, the prime minister or, or a great leader in the world. He's thinking, got a new Jockey Wilson coming here. No, we've got a new... a new YouTube hit, I think. And, and, and um, so, so, you, so, yeah, you, so I sent, sent it to you going, clip. this is what I came downstairs and discovered, and you said, ha-ha, this is the sound effect for the golden shot. It is. So the effect you hear once our friend Sam says fire is actually Wilbur uh, <laughs> playing the balloon game last week, and it fits perfectly. <laughs> Sam, if you had to guide me to what you would like to uh, uh, pick out, what would it be, Sam? Um, well, I'd like a bit of, like yourself, Sam, I'd like a bit of Todd Rundgren. So if uh, Wizard of True Star came up, that wouldn't be the last thing. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It'd be a miracle because they're upstairs in the other wardrobe. Ah, but uh, but the, all these singles are in front of us. All the oh, singles. Okay. Some of those are worth a few quid. They are um, uh, the, the, in front of me. Perhaps where the singles are is where the meat lies. Now, 330 quid on the leaderboard. And then our friend last week, Dave, a meager 57 pounds worth. He took, he picked out albums I, I, I'd forgotten I had. Joan <laughs> Jet of the Runaway. And why was Joan Jett under J and not under R with the runaways? If you expose the oh, is that, I, know. I did wonder. I do do that usually. I put, I mm. mean, I've got my Peter Gabriel albums with Genesis and things like that. How many albums you got there, Sam? Oh, uh, I mean, you get sort of 40 or 50 at the minute compared to yourself. And yet you dare to call yourself civilised. I know. Anyway, but the, uh, 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 but, uh, so what I'm going to do, uh, I've got albums behind me, albums to the left of me, albums to the right, <laughs> the singles in front. Uh, we'll start on the left-hand side, right? We'll start on the left-hand okay. side. Now, have you any preference? There's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven shelves here. What shelf would you like to start? And then you know if you're going up and down on all of that. Okay, let's start uh, on number four. Number four, inside the trophy, that's right next to me. Right, here we go, everyone. Stand by your bed. Give it plenty of drama here. You say left, right, up, down. Don't rush yourself, because okay. the audience will love this. Uh, <laughs> and then I'll tell you what you got. You give me your opinion of it, and I'll give you the current market value. Two LPs, one single. You've got £330 to beat. And you're, you, there's no, you don't get the LPs, by the way. Purely for entertainment purposes, there may be T-shirts yeah. available for prize winners. Here we go. So in your own time now, go. 
Let's start by going up. Oh, stop. No. <laughs> Good. Right. Oh. Stop. Oh, yeah. You, be- you wouldn't believe the position I'm in. I can't believe the position it's I'm in. It's a view. Uh, I'm, uh, you can go on my T-shirt riding up. I've got a grandstand view of my gut. <laughs> in that case, let's go on. down. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Bless you. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay. And you have chosen. Oh, it's, an, oh, it's another Genesis album, believe it or not. <laughs> How many have you got? It is. Well, no, but everyone's just ended up over there. I've got every. How many have I got? All of them. And now the Genesis albums range from a thousand pounds through to just a few quid. Sam, your first choice, just a few quid. It's the oh, live wow. album Seconds Out, which I, I'll be generous and say, I'll give you a score on that. Twenty quid. Okay. Because uh, they're mint. Everything I do is mint. Uh, so there you go. Twenty pounds. You've got three hundred and thirty to beat. Oh, now I'm going to turn the other way. And then alive. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Stay with it, everyone. This is a great game. Right, here we go. Uh, off you go, my friend. On the other right. side. Go. Okay, we'll go right. Stop. Down. Ooh. Stop. Right. Then if his phone call, it's yeah. phone call's going to reach. Yeah. Up. Stop. Oh, that's the mic gone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh, the headphones pulled around the microphone. Hold on. Hold on, everyone. <laughs> so. Is that easy on the end, was it? Whoa. Whoa. That's all right now, yeah. We're okay. So what I'm in. I'll, I'll be kind and fire there, I think. Write a note down, would you? Mm-hmm. Um, use the headphones with the longer lead next time <laughs> and, re- and send that to me on an email because I'll forget. OK, I, I don't think the audience noticed these things, by the way. No, 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 no. Only no, no. the pros hear things like that. Then I'll go. Oh, right, where was we there? Go on. Yeah, you can fire there. That'll do. I've got to tell you, you passed over a very lucrative section, the oh, early no. yes section. You went straight oh. over. Yeah, you did. You said fire then. And the album you've chosen is... Oh, it's not bad. OK. It's not bad. This is an early Bruce Springsteen bootleg called Flat Top and Pin Drop. It was a... Uh, I don't know if it's ever been released uh, since then. It's a Bruce Springsteen bootleg from about 1975. I think that, I think in mint condition like this, with all the inserts, you've got a £100 record there. Oh, lovely. Yes, you have. Flat... Flat top and pin drop, a double Bruce Springsteen bootleg from 1975, that'll be. Now we're moving over to the singles, thank God, I'm right on top of them. If you get one of the good singles here, you're our new leader, my friend. Off you go. Okay, let's go down. Up. Left. Stop. Up. Stop. Fire. (laughs) 
Oh, now how odd is that? But I'm showing you peps. I'm showing mm. you if you can see that peps. That's oh, it's a, beautiful. That's a single by Yes. It is a Yes single. Unfortunately, it's one of the American ones. I've got the British ones here. You're going best about 25 quid on that. And you uh. and I, promo, parts one, about both sides same, mono and stereo. About 25 quid on that, my friend, which brings your total, I believe, to 145 pounds, Sam. Uh, it puts second you second, second on bad. the leaderboard. Second on the leaderboard, it isn't. I know you're a little disappointed there. Just before you leave us, Sam, the, uh, have you ever walked out of a concert? Uh, yes, I have. Um, Who was it? the last train home. It was the Manic Street Preachers in Brighton. Oh, do you regret yeah. that? Um, I've seen it a fair few times, and I kind of knew the set list and what was coming, so I kind of was quite happy to give it a miss to catch the last one back. I've walked out of two concerts, um, and uh, because I thought the sound was terrible, and uh, uh, and believe it or not, Led Zeppelin, Earl's Court, walked oh. out. Steely Dan at Wembley walked out. I know, I know, I know. People will now think less of me. Sam, thank you very much indeed, my friend. You're in second Thanks place, 145 quid. Well played. I apologise for pulling the microphone over afterwards, but, uh, <laughs> halfway through. But as I say, pros notice this, but the public, they, they, they don't hear such things. They think it's all part of the machinery. So thank you very much indeed, Sam. No problem. Thanks, Bye, so. Sam. Bye. See you, Sam. Thank you very much. Okay, so no, another one on the next show. People are listening to this. Like, do you see the um, quiz program in the week? The Chris Tarrant. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Very, very good. Yes, very, it's very been good. well praised. Uh, but I think, well, people, that it shows these these networks that form around programs that uh, try to break the code of the quiz. You watch. In about six months, people will go, right, if he goes left, I've noticed over that way is the uh, Stevie Wonders back up that way. <laughs> no, they will. They, they will crack this code, but these are the honest days of it. Give us something over there, Peps. Well, this is from Richard. Uh, this is things you didn't let anyone in the family forget. So it's a, it's a, a topic we did probably around... Uh, episode 10. But that doesn't matter. All the subjects are open and I'm grateful for people going back that far. Well, as he says, as the treehouses merge into one through this time of isolation, <laughs> I have a memory of you asking for things people were never allowed to forget. Here's one from my family. Back in the 70s, my dad, being the devout son of an even more devout mother, used to reinforce his religious commitment by cutting the grass at the local Catholic church. In the days before Nintendo, my younger brother and I were often taken along for the ride, packed in the back of the car beside the lawnmower. This journey was, more often than not, the precursor to an hour or so of character-forming boredom, interspersed with the odd argument. This particular day started no differently, with my dad dutifully cutting the grass and my brother and I mooching around the churchyard. Suddenly, a clunking noise, followed by some irreligious language, and the mower grinding to a halt. Next thing we knew, Dad appeared around the corner with what looked very much to the untrained eye like a bomb. Oh, look what I just ran over, said Dad, as we gathered round and inspected the find. Now, I know bomb sites were very much a thing in south-east London, but in mm -hmm. rural Suffolk, there wasn't much ordnance to be found. Nevertheless, we all duly agreed, using Action Man as our reference, that it did look pretty much like a bomb, <laughs> and more, most likely a mortar shell. What happened next passed into the stuff of family legend, frequently played back to my dad and in turn now told as a bedtime story to my sons. Dad, as a fine upstanding citizen, took it upon himself to report this discovery to the local constabulary. At this point, a rational approach would put some distance between us and a live explosive. My father, overcome with civic further, decided otherwise. He, his children, the lawnmower... And yes, the bomb were all loaded into the car together to make a journey to the police station. 
upon arrival at the Nick, Dad left us in the bomb and the bomb in the car while he went in to report it. He later recounted the ensuing conversation as follows. Hello, sir. How can I help you? I think I found a bomb. Well, where, sir? It was at the church, but it's in my car now. Where's your car now, sir? It's outside in the car park. I told the kids to wait for me. So your children and a bomb are in the car outside, <laughs> Dad. I think I'll just go and get the boys. Yeah, what a good idea. <laughs> Turned out it was a mortar shell, and yes, it was live. I should also add, my dad's name was Brendan. He had a 1970s beard and was of Irish descent, but that didn't seem to register at the time with the police. <laughs> anyway, we've lived to tell the tale and enjoyed it as it's passed into family folklore. Well, was, you, you might, if I was understated at all in my wonder at that, it's because, like as he said, in South East London, anyone who's read the books or seen the tours knows that hand grenades were brought home as regularly as lost dogs. Uh, <laughs> the one that we put, <laughs> the one that uh, the woman put in the bin down the road from us and then the, the husband put all the grass cuttings from the garden in and up that went in the middle of the night the one that was thrown on the pitch at the Brentford game uh, it, it turned out to be a dub but he didn't know it an old boy come on with a bucket of sand all of these stories I'll tell him for as the yeah as the as the uh, yeah, as the years roll on all of these will be told in full but you mentioned action man there mm. and uh, we've got one of the subjects which is the tragic end of toys and dolls Stephen says, my 1970 action man, Talking Commander, with realistic hair, was my pride and joy. Mm. Whilst playing with him one wintry Sunday night during the traditional Sunday evening bath, he did get a bit wet, so I needed to dry him out. As it was winter and in the days of home central heating, was before the days when home central heating was usual, my parents had the fire alight. I placed my action man against the fire guard, and about an hour later when going to bed, I lifted him off again to find that, well, the heat had rather got to him. And when I say got to him, it had completely melted his plastic chest, containing as it did the speech mechanism. I was devastated. No, not not quite as much as Action Man was devastated. <laughs> he never said another word. Now that is oh. a wonderful tragic end. Yeah, put it by the fire to, uh, to with with a little dustpan and brush, as you showed the other week, and it melted his <laughs> voice. I've got to bring you this, Peps, as well, because I uh, said it earlier on for the uh, fiasco of the uh, Golden Shot game. Not all of our things, despite the producer of the show, are about death and destruction. Uh, and sometimes a shining light, like from Sean here, comes through. And how about this? For this is exactly what the show was set up to do, to look up, not down, to be a good deed in a wicked world. This is a perfect example from Sean, everyone. Settle into this. In 2007, my dad was diagnosed with a serious illness that prevented him from travelling abroad due to the insurance involved. We thought it might be his last holiday, and we decided we would take him to the Isle of Man for a few days with the whole family, all nine of us, including grandchildren. Now, my dad was a huge Norman Wisdom fan, and we knew he lived on the island. My sister Wendy got in touch with his agent and said, was there any possibility of meeting Norman while we were there? After explaining the details of my dad's failing health, the agent got back to us to confirm that Norman would be happy for us to call him, but it would have to be a quick meet and greet, as he also was getting on in years. We jumped at the chance and developed an intricate story to get my dad to agree to go to the Isle of Man. On the day of the meeting, we agreed it would be good to go out for a drive in our hire cars and find a nice calf to have lunch in. Once in the car, we started to follow our sat-nav to Norman's house address, which had been provided. It was quite secluded and out in the country. The plan was for one of us to pretend to desperately need the toilet when we were in the approximate area of Norman Wisdom's house. We would then knock at Norman's door as arranged, 
and asked if we could use the fixture. All of this, of course, was kept secret from Dad. So we put the plan into action, and my sister, Julie, arrived at the door and knocked to confirm where it was, and Norman's housekeeper, Helper, told, we told her we had arrived. She said Norman was upstairs, but was expecting us. On hearing this, we went back to the car to tell my dad that the owner of the house said it was fine for all of us to use the toilet if we wanted. My dad, along with all of us, walked into the house and stood inside the grand reception area, which was double height with a gallery landing. Ooh. On the wall was a giant oil painting of Norman Wisdom, along with a bronze bust of him. My dad actually turned to me and said, <laughs> it looks like Norman Wisdom, totally unaware he was in his house. <laughs> Norman Wisdom then appeared at the top of the stairs on the landing in grey slacks with a light blue roll neck sweater. He did his traditional trademark swagger down the stairs and pretended even to fall down the last two oh. stairs, so convincing that I tried to catch him out of instinct. Dad was utterly shell-shocked. He could not speak. Norman went straight up to him and said, Well, how are you, Jimmy? I hear you've not been too well. Oh, Wow. He was still gobsmacked and he couldn't compute what was happening. And I'm pretty sure he thought he had ended up in Norman's house still by chance at that point. Oh. Norman led the way to his living room where he entertained all nine of us for almost an hour, despite his assistant saying he had to stop after 15 minutes. He made us all individually sit on his knee and pose for photos with his flat cap on and he directed every photograph we took. Dad hardly said a word in the hour, but there, I still remember the look on his face for the whole time we were there. It ended up being his last holiday, but it was the best he ever had. I provided photographs of sitting on Norman's knee. So Norman Wisdom, what a man, what a day. How about that from That's Sean? That's beautiful. How about that from Sean? And that beautiful? It's a fact, How beautiful. fact. Whatever else, you know, you hear about. The fact that Norman Wisdom went straight up to him and said, How are you, Jimmy? I hear you've not been well. Oh, oh my God. Like we've all gone. We've all, that is, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is, yes, you, you may hear about cats like cricket bats in the show, but equally, <laughs> how about that for a, a beautiful, beautiful email from our friend Sean? I think that we're not going to be able to follow that, perhaps. No, I was, going, I was just looking through and I thought there is nothing I can follow that with. Well, uh, thankfully, I think, I think we've done our shift for now. This uh, will arrive with <laughs> there on, on a Saturday morning or whenever you hear this, but uh, now play the theme tune there, Phil. One, two, three, four. Three, Climb up, go in, let's cozy down Wave goodbye to that silly frown As we chase our cares away In the treehouse The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away In the treehouse Take it away, Danny! There you go. Uh, that's been the great Louise Napoleon Pepper on the other side of town. Uh, Phil Wilding, and along with Josh and everybody at Something Else, have given us this platform where we join you twice a week, which may, may increase very, very soon, I hope. <laughs> but as always, uh, and chiefly yourselves, and particularly to the spirit of Norman Wisdom. We'll see you next week. Next time on The Treehouse the very first thing you can remember. Meeting someone with your name or something like it, the greatest sandwich you have ever eaten. Did this only happen at my school? And where you were when you first heard a now famous song. <laughs>
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.